Blog Talk Radio. As we get you set for the biggest party of the summer, WWE SummerSlam tonight. And we're going to give you coverage, top to bottom, picks, opinions, speculation. Uh, we're really excited for tonight's show. Uh, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Again, it's facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Uh, go over there, like us right now. We got a thread going, uh, a show chat. Uh, we'll have a chat going during SummerSlam, and each and every Monday night, we have a Monday Night Raw chat going on over there. So be part of the conversation. Get over there to our Facebook page. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at the Ken Reedy Show. Follow us over there if you're a tweeting kind of person. And of course, our website, thekenreedyshow.com. We got bios. We have blogs over there. We have pictures. We have fan pictures over there as well as a link to listen to the show. So check out our website, thekenreedyshow.com. We are really excited because uh, we got a jam-packed show getting ready for uh, SummerSlam, and we have internet blogger uh, from Rant Sports, Mike Riker, is in studio. Mike, how are you doing this evening? Good. Thanks for having me. I mean, I could be in Brooklyn tonight, but I decided to be with the uh, Ken Reedy Show. Exactly. This is the place to be, and this, this is – I'll put this tag team against anybody because I got my tag team partners on the line. Anyone want to challenge us to a six-man tag, we are ready. Dave, over in Connecticut, how are you doing this evening, Dave? I'd be inclined to begin tonight's program by talking about how great my mother is, similar to how Mr. T did in his 2014 Hall of Fame speech last year in New Orleans. But I digress. I'm doing pretty good. It's SummerSlam. It's the biggest party of the summer. I'm ready to talk pro wrestling. We've got a loaded show. Let's get right into it. Very excited for tonight's show. And just to let you guys know, again, uh, you know, all those other Facebook, we got the website, we got Twitter, but you can also check us out on our, our exciting project, 1640 PWPR. Uh, we've started kind of a wrestling radio station, a one-stop shopping, if you will, uh, for wrestling podcasts. We also got some pop culture podcasts on there as well. Go to iTunes, search 1640PWPR, a uh, bunch of shows, the King Firehawk show, our show. We just brought on a Joey Image, a guy, if you're an independent wrestling fan in the North Jersey area, he's got his own podcast. He just joined up with us on 1640. 
So check it, check us out again. It is free to subscribe, and we're really excited because uh, it's a fairly new project. We uh, it's a few months, right? I think about five months or so, and we just crossed over to ten thousand hits uh, for our show. So uh, for, not for our show, for the network as a whole. So uh, pretty excited to cross over into that milestone. And thank you everyone who is supporting us. Tell your friends. Get on there, 1640. And as part of 1640, uh, we have an official power ranking, uh, 1640. Just to let you guys know, this is how the 1640 power ranking was determined. Uh, it's a top five. All the shows got to submit a top five vote, uh, top five list. Each per so the each person was weighted according to like it's like inversely where they're ranked on the list. So if you had a top five from your show. Everyone who's ranked number one got five points, two got four points, so on and so forth. So every show contributed their top five list. All those top five lists were put together to, to compile a, an official 1640 power ranking for the month of August. And 1640 is going to do this each and every month to give you our thoughts on, on the best in pro wrestling. And here's our 1640 power ranking. Coming in at five, Finn Balor, four, EC3, three, Seth Rollins, two, Jay Lethal, and number one, the one and only John Cena comes in at number one. I, to me, the way the list uh, shaped out, I, I don't have uh, any complaints. I think it's a pretty solid list. Everyone on the list has gold around their waist. Um, I, was, I was surprised. I thought Owens may have made the list. He wound up not making the list. but. Um, I can't argue with with that that power ranking. What what are your thoughts, Riker? Yeah, I mean it's a good power ranking. It's great to see Lethal on there. I think he's doing some of his best best work with ROH. Uh, not only defending the ROH World Heavyweight Championship, but defending the ROH Television Championship as well. Uh, you know, Cena at number one. I'm sure people will complain, but the, the fact of the matter is, he's been the best wrestler not only in the month of August, but the, the entire calendar year so far in 2015. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's amazing, you know, when you look at John Cena and, you know, when you think age-wise, it might be the time for some younger guys to kind of take his spot. He's he's doing some of his best work he's ever done in, in his career. It's pretty incredible. Dave, your thoughts on, on the top five? Um, all, all appropriate. Every single guy on that list. Um, one, one individual that stands out for me more than anything is probably um, – EC3 from TNA, the TNA World Heavyweight Champion. I've said it before on this show, and I'll say it again. I was not a believer of that character when it first debuted on TNA television. I just thought it was TNA's weak attempt to take a guy who did virtually nothing in WWE in the developmental program and make him into a big deal so quickly overnight. And I didn't really buy into it at first, but he grew, he grew on me. His character grew on me over time. And in my opinion, he's the best thing right now on that program, uh, in that promotion. Um, so that's what I think about him in the power rankings. And I would imagine um, as time goes on, we'll see EC3 um, flip-flop certain spots in that top five power ranking. But, you know, Cena at number one doesn't surprise me either. Uh, you know, Riker said it earlier, Jay Lethal doing some of his best stuff. Now that he's a double champion in Ring of Honor. So all the names on there are, uh, you know, appropriate. One name that I was surprised that didn't make the list um, was Paul Heyman. Considering, you know, the great mic work that um, he provides you on television on, in WWE, that I would have figured, especially how he's such a big hype machine for Brock Lesnar's match, that he'd be on that list. But I'm sure he'll get there at some point. 
Yeah, you know, and again, I, I thought it was a pretty solid list. I, I, you know, I can't argue with it. Again, each guy's got gold around their waist. Uh, one guy's got two belts around his waist. Who knows? Maybe after tonight, another guy will have two belts around his waist. Uh, so solid power rankings. So you guys out there, you know, check out 1640 PWPR uh, on Facebook. And we're going to be we're going to be posting a power ranking each and every month uh, for that specific month. And it's going to be a collective. Everyone, every show uh, has a contribution on putting together the top five list, our power rankings. So check that out on PWPR. And now let's get into it, man, because there's a lot. I mean, SummerSlam is jam packed. Uh, Ten matches. Uh, lots of stuff going on, lots of moving parts, if you will. Uh, as, as before, we get into like picks and going match by match and getting real specific. I'm curious, Dave. You know, build wise, and, and it's funny. I got to tell you guys, you know, everything that's happened over the summer, and, and with, with Dusty passing, with Piper passing, with uh, Hogan and, and his controversy, it's been tough to be a wrestling fan. It, it's been tough, and, and there's been part of me that's been like. Oh, geez. I don't know. I don't know anymore. You know, I, like there's part of it just like was like, do I want to even do the show anymore? Like I just it, it, it was a punch to the gut this summer as a wrestling fan. And funny story yesterday for the first time in my life, I've been buzzing my head with a buzzer for quite some time. I decided to take a razor to, to my head. I, I, I shaved down to the skin and I cut myself. I cut myself and, you know, I was there was water. You know, I, I had water on my head and and the blood started trickling down. And I was like cutting a promo by myself with the blood on the forehead and everything. And I was like, no, nah, I'm still into this. I'm still ready to go. Let's get, let's get going. Let's get back on the mic. Let's get this show back on track. And so I'm kind of pumped right now to get, get started with SummerSlam. Uh, again, 10 matches, lots of stuff to dissect. So Dave, as, as we get into this, um, I'm curious, like your overview as far as the, the build for, for SummerSlam and, and what you're expecting as a whole from tonight's event. Uh, overall, for the for, for the build, I thought um, they've used the time wisely on TV with every match. Um, I think that's what WWE has been doing better with their pay-per-views in the past year, especially since they've been on the network, is that they have taken um, – they've used the most time possible to build their pay-per-views with, with each match. And each time – each match gets good time on television to promote. Um, some matches get more than others, but for the most part, I think across the board – um, somebody, there's a little bit of everything for somebody on this SummerSlam card for uh, with tonight's pay-per-view. So I, I think it's been done pretty good. Um, what do I expect to see? I expect this. It's four hours, so it's you know we've we've coined it the WrestleMania of the summer, and uh, with ten matches, I don't expect each match to get an equal amount of time. Some matches will get more time than others. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one match is re- one or two matches is really just um, a throwaway match in terms of time, or maybe it's really a match that sets up an angle on the show as opposed to an actual wrestling match. Um, but overall, I, I think with, with it being four hours, um, the main event, as big as it's, it's been hyped up to be, I expect this to be a pretty damn good good show. You can't please everybody, and I know there's going to be critics out there, but um, you know, I would like to consider myself an optimistic, open-minded wrestling fan, and tonight. I'm pretty optimistic that we're going to see a pretty good show top to bottom. What are your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, I, listen, I agree. I mean, every time they're in New York, 99% of the time they put on a great show. They know those fans are rabid. We saw it last night at NXT, how rabid those fans can be. They have a tough act to follow after last night. Uh, so I think they're going to be on their game tonight as far as the wrestling, not only the wrestling, but also the crowd itself. Uh, and 
listen, four hours for a SummerSlam, this is exciting. I mean, uh, to see as many matches and see all these guys on the card in some significant matches. I mean, you look at, you know, top to bottom, you know, there's some pretty good wrestling in the ball, whether it be Ziggler Rusev or Owen Cesaro. Uh, there's some matches out there that, you know, outside of Brock Taker and Cena Rollins that can actually steal the show tonight. And I'm interested to see what happens. It's going to be a great card. Uh, I think we're going to see some surprises tonight. Uh, I think we're going to see something that well, that's going to wow us tonight. Uh, and who knows? I think we're going to see some, maybe a new champion also as well tonight. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited too. I mean, I, I you know, there's and we're going to get into it match by match. Uh, you know, some of the matches, the build has been like really good. Some maybe mediocre, but you know, it, it's exciting. There's been some, you know, there's there's a lot of good build. Uh, you know, and, and again, we're going to discuss it a little later. But like, you know, we're sitting in studio right now and. Mike's sitting there with his Brock Lesnar shirt on. I'm sitting here with my Undertaker shirt on. So there's a buzz even in studio. And, uh, you know, does that even – does that translate in the match? And, again, that's the main event or quite possibly could be the main event. So we're going to talk about that match a little bit later. But, you know, it definitely gives a buzz to the event. It definitely gives a, a gravity to it. Um, and, again, four hours, like you said, man, it, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to to, to – to get into it, it's exciting to dissect it. It's it's summertime, uh, you know. It's it kind of has that WrestleMania feel, and I'm excited to do this because generally, like you know, I go to WrestleMania, so I don't get to do a show like this uh, for WrestleMania. So I'm kind of psyched to do this show tonight to get into it match by match and uh, dissect things and, and look at the build and everything. So uh, I, I'm optimistic too. I mean, this it, what are we gonna do here? We have like a podcast. And we're talking wrestling, and we're optimistic about WWE SummerSlam. They're going to kick us off the internet. Um, I don't know what to do. It's like we're, we're actually like positive fans. Like, I, I don't know. I, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't be doing a show. Who knows? But let's get into it. I mean, let's look at the matches that are up there. And we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about all the matches. We're going to, you know, if not on the show, at least on this show, we're going to give Matt each match equal time. We're going to talk about it. We're going to dissect it. We're going to look at what's good, what's not. And we're all going to give predictions. Then we'll see who comes out on top uh, after the event is over. But one of the matches I'd like to start with, and, and let's get into it. Let's get right into a championship match. Triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship. And Ryback versus Big Show versus The Miz. Uh, Ryback coming off an injury off, off TV for a while. Um, I like Ryback. I like what Ryback's doing. I think right now this is a good spot for him. Uh on the show, a good mid-card guy. It's a good play, good championship for him. Um, I, you know, and off, off. Uh, I was gonna say off camera, but off mic, off mic. Mike and I were talking about, um, you know, heel work and, and good heel work, and how you know the WWE went through a phase of, you know, the heels almost kind of being tweeners and kind of being cool. And I, I think the WWE has moved in a good direction of building uh, better heels, heels that you hate. And you've heard me at nauseam on this show every chance I get to rip The Miz. I will say right now, I'm digging what The Miz is doing. He is a jerk. He is a complete douchebag. You, There's nothing he's doing that is likable, but it's in the context of the character. And I love what he's doing. You want to see, and coming into this match, you want to see the two bigger guys beat the holy hell out of Miz. And that's what you want out of your heel. When you look at the great heels uh, in history, what you wanted is that heel to just absolutely get his ass kicked. And I think that's what The Miz has done. Um, that being said, and The Miz might get his ass whooping, 
And I'll go ahead and give the first prediction. I think Ryback retains. I think Ryback's popular. He's over with the crowd. His character's working. Remember a few years ago, Ryback was on the verge of being the most popular guy in the company. Um, you know, a lot of bad creative decisions, if you will. But uh, I think he's a guy that, that, you know, you can build off of. I don't know if he'll ever be the guy, but he's a good guy to have that IC title. Uh, coming off the injury uh, to, to triumph off of that injury, I think works storytelling wise. Um, so my pick would be Ryback to win and retain the title. And hopefully we see a, a significant ass whooping for uh, the Miz. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, first agreement here. I think Ryback's winning, uh, retaining the championship tonight. Uh, you know, Miz is the X factor in this match. We all want to see Ryback go after Big Show. Uh, we all want to see Ryback and Big Show kind of beat up the Miz. So maybe you see the Miz kind of sneak in with a pin. But for me, I think, you know, been there, done that with both Big Show and Miz as far as the IC title is concerned. You know, Ryback's done a good job with this title. I know he's been out for a while. But fans are, like you said, Ken, they love they loved him when he first got on the scene and was kind of thrusting that main event uh, quicker than we expected with the, with the CM Punk injury back in 2013. So, you know, he had that heel run, which did not work out at all. He came back, and then we kind of see the Ryback that we want to see. Uh, he, he's not as robotic at, at, in his promos that, like we saw back a couple of years ago. He's talking more to the fans. Fans are reacting to him. We, we see a kind of a Daniel Bryan presence every time Ryback's out there, uh, which is kind of like the you know the salute of honor from, from Daniel Bryan as far as Ryback's concerned. I think that there's no doubt in my mind tonight Ryback retains. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I look at it, I, I, to me, Ryback has gotten to a point where, and you bring up a good point with that, he's, look, no one's ever going to confuse Ryback with Ric Flair or Roddy Piper. But he's, he's reached a point where his style of promo works for him. Like it's, It doesn't come off as like, oh, God, that was a terrible promo. It's it's short and sweet. It's it's the tough big guy, you know, and and he jumps right into Feed Me More, which right. gets the crowd going. It's, it's it's good promo work because you're, you're catering to his strengths. And I think it's something that, again, you can continue to build on. And the one thing that's died down to, if you notice, no more Goldberg chance. So you've seen, you've seen the Ryback. Now you hear the Feed Me More chance. I think the Goldback, Goldberg chance have died down. So I think Ryback's in a great position right now. Excellent. Dave, what do you think? Um, I, you guys took the words right out of my mouth for the most part. I'm going to agree with you and go with Ryback here. Um, however, um, Riker, I might have to disagree with you here. The Goldberg chance, I think we might see those again. This is New York. They're a smart crowd. They're a very Good smart point. crowd. And, and they, they – they love to be involved. They love to be more involved than the talent that are actually in the ring sometimes. So it wouldn't surprise me if, um, you know, you, you hear those chants tonight. This also is a match, too, that if you see a spot that doesn't go as planned and the crowd catches on to that, this is a match where they could totally crap all over you, all over all three guys. I mean, Big Show's had the please retire chance. The Miz is always hateable. And Ryback, especially in the Northeast, has been kind of, on the fence as far as popularity goes. So, um, but I'm, I'm, I think WWE wants to stick with him because he's, he's a big guy. Vince loves big guys. He's got this superhero larger than life, life, like structure, this figure that he, that, that he possesses with his, with his muscles and everything in between. I'm stumbled over my words or my, my apologies, but overall they got faith in him. They want to use him going forward. And like Ken said, they, they cater to his strengths. They accentuate the positives, and they camouflage any of the negatives that come with him. So um, he's not doing bad right now. He's been doing pretty good. So I, I can't see them taking the belt off him just yet. 
That's a good point, though, Dave. I mean, this this is like probably out of any match on the card. Um, you got three guys that that this Northeast crowd uh, could really jump on, you know, pretty quickly. Out of any match on the card, you know, you don't have, uh, you know, that typical like internet darling at all in the match. And you're right. If this match starts to go south at all, um, you could see the crowd jumping all over it. Um you know, maybe it's a match that doesn't get a lot of time. Maybe it's a short and sweet match. Maybe we see, you know, as, as a vehicle to continue to push Ryback, he mows through these guys, like, pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I think it's fine for The Miz. Look, Big Show is who he is. It's a, Neither one of those guys are going to lose anything if Ryback just kind of runs through them. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a real good point, Dave. Uh, Northeast-wise, uh, this thing could go south in a hurry if, if anyone screws up any spots. Um, let's let's get into the tag team uh championship match and dave well let's hear from you first so we don't take all uh all your thunder out of it but we got the primetime players versus the lucha dragons uh versus los matadores versus new day what do you think um i think it's gonna be a fun match the rumor is that they that they because there's so many matches on the card this match might get moved to the pre-show um but whatever the case may be um you're going to see a lot of a lot of fun spots. I don't know now. I don't know if it's in a, a fatal four-way elimination match or if it's the first team that gets the pinfall wins. They haven't really been specific about the rules of that. Um, but I am loving what New Day is doing. I, I absolutely love it. I mean, I I just can't say enough about it. They're they, they're they're so over the top corny that they make people want to see them get beat up. So. Um, and they've been putting a lot of focus on them as opposed to the other teams. I, didn't, I thought that they shouldn't have had the that they shouldn't have lost the belts in the first place. So I'm going with New Day on this one. I think they're going to win the titles. Yeah, I, I, again, I totally agree with you. I think New Day has done a tremendous job. It's amazing. You know, we were there that night, Ken, in the, the night after WrestleMania when they those chants started the booze started for New Day in a, in a big way, uh, and they kind of went with it. And ever since then, they've been on a roll with this. I mean, I love what they're doing. I like all three of them, the way they're acting, uh, the, the kind of like the free birds, uh, yes. the free bird rule kind of yes. uh, way that it's going. Um, I just love the way. Listen, I think I, I agree with you, Dave, in the fact that that those titles have never gotten off of New Day. They, and I know it was, you know, Tyus O'Neill and Darren Young have done a good job. You know, especially Tyus, I think he, he's, you know, coming to his own a little bit. Uh, I do love Kalisto. I, do, I think there's a place for him down the line. Uh, kind of be like that next Ray Mysterio, uh, but I, I'm with you, Dave. I, I think I think New Day should win this, these titles, and I think I think the Broken Crowd is going to be kind of behind them in a, in a way. It's going to be kind of weird. Yeah, and, and let the love fest continue because I'm right there with you guys. And, and you know, it's interesting because you got a, you got a faction, a tag team um, that were, you know started as a face, was getting booed, went to heel, and and you might have to turn these guys face again because. Um, I love, you know, right there with you guys. Love, love what they're doing. They are hilarious. I mean, they are too funny. And, and I got to be honest, you know, when you looked at, like, the formation of this, it, it kind of looked like, you know, three guys they didn't know what to do with. They threw them together. Who knew what it was going to be? And when you saw these three guys, who knew? Right now, I am so impressed with Big E on the mic. I, I mean, the guy's like a physical specimen. I mean, for a guy like he's as wide as he is tall. Um, he's quick for a guy his size. Always liked Big E's style in the ring. I, I, I thought it was just an intriguing style how athletic he could be for a guy his size. Never in a million years that I think that I would be looking at, wow, you know, he's got some decent mic skills. Um, you know, I heard him on Jericho's podcast, and he has uh, 
I'm, I'm trying to I think his father was a preacher or he's, he's got some of that in his blood. But, man, when he grabs that mic, I mean, I'm digging what he's bringing to the table. I'm enjoying everything they're doing. You know, it's funny because I and I could be wrong and it could just be me inferring. But I felt like with, uh, you know, maybe it was a little bit forced. And I'm right there with you guys. I don't think they should have taken the belts off of them in the first place. It almost felt like to me, like Titus O'Neil won that uh, father of the year thing. And, uh, you know, obviously Darren Young coming out of the closet and, and being an openly gay uh, WWE superstar. I just kind of felt like it was a it was more of a public relations thing uh, than anything else. And, and again, they've done a good job. They're not a bad tag team. When I look at the two of them, I think Titus O'Neil's got a lot of potential as a single star. Um, I don't know about Darren Young. I don't know uh, if they'll find a place from singles wise. Again, decent in the ring. He's got some talent, uh, but I'm more impressed with what Titus O'Neil brings to the table. Um, but I, I always kind of felt like, and it's just me, but I always kind of felt like all those things were kind of happening, you know, with, with Darren Young coming out of the closet and Titus O'Neil winning the award that I just kind of thought this seems very public relation. -y. And, uh, I think storyline wise and, and character wise and everything else. Uh, yeah, I mean, I put those straps on new day. I mean, it just, it just makes sense to me for those guys now to be cutting those promos and coming out and New Day rocks and all that stuff with, with the belts. It just makes sense to me. Yeah, you make a great point about Big E, Ken, and the fact that, you know, before NXT was on the network, you know, he was a champion at NXT, and all I heard was about his promo work more than anything. And so when he came to WWE, I was kind of disappointed in what he brought to the table. Maybe he was rushed into a program too quickly with Ziggler, uh, when he was involved with Ziggler and Cena and AJ. Uh, but we've never seen that, that side of him until now. So uh, it's, it's nice to see. And Xavier Woods is, is an unsung hero, too. Yes. I mean, this guy is tremendous on the mic. You know, you don't see much of him in the ring, but he's very good in the ring. You get the high, the high spots from Kofi. It's a perfect combination of these two guys right now. It's working on all cylinders. And you see, you know, I'm not saying that we're necessarily, you know, back to yesteryear. But, I mean, are, are we on the verge of seeing some uh, – you know, maybe not the golden age, but but a decent age of tag team wrestling. I mean, tag team wrestling is kind of uh, uh, forgotten, so to speak. I mean, you know, but I, I'm liking – I mean, I like those guys I, that, you know, epitomize that tag team style. I like what the WWE is doing now that you have, like, tag teams. You know, that you don't have just, oh, let's throw two guys together, that you got guys that are existing as tag teams that are coming out together. They're not coming out, you know – two separate entrances with their own music. Um, and, and I'm digging that. Now, I still think there's work to be done. I still uh, think that, you know, I'd like to see even more tag teams. I'd really like to see two tag teams, like, start to really have a war with each other, not surrounding the belt. Like, just two tag teams that just, like, really hate each other. Uh, we got some, you know, you know, maybe some tag teams coming up from NXT. But um, I I'm excited. I'm hoping that we're moving in a direction where we'll – We'll get like, you know, again, maybe we can never get to like the golden age, but at least a, a decent age uh, of tag team. But I don't know, like, like, you know, as I'm talking about it, Dave, uh, I'm curious your thoughts on, on what we've seen out of the WWE as far as tag team wrestling as of late. It's been a steady progression for the past couple of years. I think it really started, to be honest with you, when they hooked up Daniel Bryan and Kane together as a tag team. And yes, like you said, it, it's two guys, single stars coming together, but they really started becoming more of a team and uh it just it just you know the domino effect just went you know from there with other teams as well after they lost and then you have the shield the usos i mean they've done a good job 
and taking tag team wrestling and making starting to make it important again. I still think it's a work in progress. I still think it's, it's, it needs to be worked on. And like you said, I think that there should just be two tag teams that just don't like each other for whatever reason, because you can't have so many teams fighting over the belt. And I, I mean, I, that's the beauty of the WWE network that they have. Now you have all these different shows and you have some of their syndicated shows are on the, on the WWE network. Now you could highlight just some tag team feuds like on superstars or main events. And then, you know, translate that over to raw where you can show clips of like, the Matadors and the Lucha Dragons having a classic on Superstars, and they're going to have the rematch on Raw, and it's got nothing to do with the tag team belt, you know? I, I think that that's where I'd like to see it, and I know that's what, that's what you said as well. Um, overall, it's just been steady progression, and I can't, I, I can't see anybody else right now holding the titles except for New Day because they're the most consistently overact babyface or heel on the tag team roster. And, and I think you could put anyone against them. I think you bring up a good point. I mean, they're so over whether you hate them or love them. Um, but, you know, I mean, again, like I started the show, like I best, you know, three-man tag right now in, in wrestling broadcasting. I mean, the three of us could show up on Raw and, and New Day would make it work. I, I just think you could put anybody together right now. And, and New Day is just, they're firing on all cylinders and that that's the team you want with the belts. That's the team that, that's going to put over other tag teams. So um, to me, like, they're the guys. Like, if you want to, you know, at least attempt to start a, a new golden age of tag teams, to me, it's New Day. You put them at the top of the heap and you let them help build the other tag teams. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, plus the fact that, you know, New Day is basically the only heel tag team in this match. So you got three face teams. You know, I'm not sure what they're going to do with the Ascension here. They've been kind of in and out. You know, the tag team seemed to me, you know, kind of peaked in our time right here in 2013. Like Dave said, you know, when you had the Shield, you had Harper and Rowan, you had Usos, you had, you know, Cody and Goldust. I mean, it seemed like it was on an Ascension there for, uh, for, for, for a while, but it kind of went down because then the Shield broke up, the Wyatt's broke up uh, for a little while. So and then tag team started coming down a little bit. I'm not sure if tag team's on, on its way. We see... Uh, a kind of a revolution, as they say, with the Divas. I'm hoping soon we see a revolution with the tag teams. I'm just not sure where it's going to come from, though. I, I mean, I hope so. And again, with the Divas, you bring up a good point. And, and you know, it's it's one of those things that we've talked a lot on the show, and I'm sure a lot of people across, like, podcasting and broadcasting all over the place to talk about, you know, the three-hour Raw, the three-hour Raw, and the three-hour Raw plus the two-hour SmackDown. You know, there's a lot of programming. You know, when you start to build other spots on your roster, it does make it easier to, you know, have a three-hour show. Because now you can have one or two Divas matches that are good, that people want to see, that, that can take up a chunk of time. And then if you rebuild your tag team division, then you got tag matches, or maybe you have number one contender tag matches that can take up a part of time. So you're not, like, dragging out this show with a lot of replays and a lot of, you know, uh, just filler stuff, a lot of half-hour-long promo segments. And you can actually have matches that fans want to see and that's why you know this this part of the roster if you can build the tag team division it, it just helps to make a, a monday night raw uh easier to take because again i'm not gonna we're, i don't want to enter into that conversation it's it's beating a dead horse but it's a lot of monday night raws are tough for those three hours and if you start to build other spots on the roster that's definitely going to help and i to me new day is the guys to do it if, if you're going to build tag team wrestling uh, you could throw you could throw two rookies and nobody knows. New Day will make them look good. 
Uh, we'll, we'll make the match good. We'll make the storyline look good. And those are the guys that you want at the top of the heap. So right now, as much as like, you know, getting into it perhaps tomorrow and, and talking about, you know, who wins as far as picks, um, we're in agreement. The first two matches we've talked about. So uh, as of right now, we're having a Ryback retaining and New Day taking away the tag team belts tonight at SummerSlam. And uh, since you brought it up, and, and you know, I want to talk about this. You brought up the, the Divas, and, and we're in a Divas revolution. And, uh, and intriguing enough, you know, we got Team Bella versus Team Bad versus PCB. They really had to change the name of that team there, you know. I love the fact that that porn site was like sending Vince McMahon a thank you basket, but I digress. Um, it, it's amazing right now as, you know, no disrespect, but I don't think it's a secret saying that the ladies match was the bathroom break match uh, for years now. Um, it's, it's nice to see what's happening with the ladies. It's nice to see this resurgence. Um, we got a, a, you know, three teams in play tonight. And last night at NXT, uh, you had the ladies stealing the show, and it's been a long time since any wrestling fan, especially with WWE programming, could say that the ladies stole the show. And uh, they laid down the gauntlet last night. These ladies got to deliver tonight, but uh, impressive showing last night at NXT, Mike. Yeah, I mean, listen, you talk about ladies' matches, and you know the, the, the two that come to mind is is you know Lundra Blaze versus Bull Nakano back in '94. For me, and Trish and Victoria in 2002. Last night was right up there with them, as far as I'm concerned. You know, maybe I'm overstating a little bit because I just saw the match last night. But to me, it's probably the best women's match I have ever seen. Uh, the crowd was totally into it. I've never seen a crowd be involved like that in a women's match. I thought both ladies were were, were just just so solid in everything they did last night. Uh, just the, the hurricane off the top rope, the the backwards hurricane by by Bailey was incredible. Uh, what we saw last night was something I have never seen. Uh, so, uh, to me, it was the greatest rest, uh, women's wrestling match I have ever seen. Uh, and th to get into tonight with the, the, the three teams, you know, I, I think PCB is going to come out the winners here because, you know, I just think, you know, with Charlotte you know, and, and, and Becky Lynch and Paige, I, I think the Bellas are kind of on their way out. I know Nikki's got the, the championship. I think that's going to drop soon. Uh, you know, Sasha's the, the one girl who had that that big match last night so she's probably she's got the excuse of kind of being you know the one not getting the pin for, for tonight uh i'm not i'm not crazy about tamina i think also you know i think uh naomi uh, needs some work as well i think i think Paige uh sasha banks is obviously the star of that group but for me Paige, charlotte and becky are three top-notch wrestlers i think charlotte is going to stand out tonight and i think they get the win tonight what do you think dave I'm well. I want to say, you know, last night's match was, was was phenomenal. I wouldn't go as far as saying the best women's wrestling match because there's been a few other great women's wrestling matches that NXT has provided. Uh, Charlotte and Natalia last year, in a in a which was probably the first female match in quite some time at that point that really stood out on WWE programming. But last night was unbelievable. What was so great about it too was the fact that. The company invested time in it, not only just giving the girls time in the ring, but the fact that they made it the co-main event. They branded it as the co-main event. They had Stephanie McMahon come out and talk about the importance of that match. And when you do that, when you project that to the television viewer, the wrestling fan that's watching it, that they're going to deem that important and want to invest their time emotionally into that match. And I think that was, a, I think that was one of the things that 
had to be done in order to make the Divas Revolution seem more legit on WWE programming. As far as tonight goes, I couldn't agree with you more, Riker. I think the, with, with the girls, with Charlotte and, and Paige and Becky Lynch, I, I mean, they're, they're the future. That's what they seem to be gearing towards. Um, and, and, you know, Sasha Banks is a part of that, too, even though she's on a different team. But um, I'm going to go with them tonight. Like, I think Charlotte's going to have a standout performance. I think Becky Lynch is going to have a standout performance as well. Depends on how much time they give these girls. Hopefully they give them a good amount of time. This is an elimination match. So um, I don't know who's going to get eliminated. Uh, the winners are going to be uh, PCB. Dave, quick question. You know, you saw NXT, uh, NXT last night. Uh, any credence into seeing that that four horsewoman uh, pose uh, with Sasha Banks and, and Bailey and Charlotte and Becky, uh, do we see that coming over till tonight? Um, you know, I thought about that because at the beginning of that match, they, they panned the camera over to uh, Naomi and Tamina, who were part of Team Bad with Sasha. Um, I took that as that's the female version of what the curtain call was in Madison Square Garden with the click with, with Hunter and Nash and Hall and Michaels. That was the female version of it. That was their curtain call. They went out and, you know, they, 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 they tore the house down and stole the show. And that should have been the main event, in my opinion. Um, I don't see, I mean, I could see it happening. Um, you know, them getting together at some point, but maybe it's, maybe it was too, maybe it's too soon tonight. I don't know. Maybe we'll see it down the road, but that to me, I took that as like that was the curtain. That was like the female version of the curtain call, like the the 2015 version. I mean, who knows? Maybe playing off of that, uh, we see something where uh, you know Sasha Banks uses that, where there's a uh, you know some goodwill, and and maybe uh, Charlotte goes for a handshake, or uh, Becky Lynch goes for a handshake with Sasha, something where like you know you brought down the house last night and uh, Sasha slaps her across the face to kind of uh, get away from that and get back into the storytelling. This is too funny because I agree with both of you. I'm right there with PCB. Um, I think a lot has to do with the Brooklyn crowd and uh, you know, what they're, um, you know, what they're going to pop for. Uh, I, I just can't see team Bella winning. I, I think this is the match as you're looking at a divas revolution uh, you're going to go with uh, PCB uh, with the with the victory. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the Bellas, I mean, you can see it. it's like the way that the, the tide is turning. Uh, this is, you know, it's it, their time is done. I, I mean, it's just it's it's over. Um, you know, it's they, they serve their purpose. Uh, to be honest, with you, I'd love I'd love to see down the road, you know, the Bellas leave what Alicia Fox can. actually. I think Alicia Fox is fairly athletic. Um, you know, maybe she's been held back a bit with where. The divas have been. I'd like to see what she could do if she was put in the ring uh, with someone like Charlotte or something. At the take the Bellas out of the mix and get uh, Alicia Fox on her own. I agree with you. I, I'm uh, Mike. I'm I'm shocked at where Tamina is right now. Um, uh, her, being Jimmy Snuka's daughter, I, she's really rough in the ring. Um, it's she's just not good. Um, it's it's. It's tough to, to watch her and, and just your, your your Jimmy's daughter. I mean, your Superfly's daughter, and then uh, it's just it's it's difficult to watch. I think Naomi's got a lot of potential, a uh, little bit of growth there, but uh, you know, I think she can. I you know, like people like Naomi and Alicia Fox to me can fit in with this diva revolution. They could fit in and potentially have solid matches with the new crop of ladies that are coming up. Uh, Tamina and the Bellas; those are ladies that. Uh, 
you know, I, I don't want anyone to lose their job. I don't want to talk, but they might be the types that, that kind of need to be phased out at some point as these more athletic divas are getting in there and, and putting on five-star matches. It's just, it's like for me, and, and Jimmy Snuka is initially what got me into wrestling, I mean, watching him and, and to see Tamina just, you know, and it's weird to me. And I don't know your thoughts. And I, I was sitting there in the studio and Riker's like nodding. Um, but like, I almost feel like, you know, you, you look, look, some people – you know, don't get it. Some people, you know, you watch them improve over time. There are guys that you see come up and they're rough. You know, I talked earlier about Miz. You know, Miz is, I, I like what he's doing right now. I think he's taking his crap seriously and he's, and he's built an obnoxious heel. It's, it's a, it's good work by him. Tamina, I almost feel like it's, has gotten worse. Like she has not gotten better. She like, you know, there was like a lot of potential initially, like, ah, she's Superfly's daughter. Look at her come off the top rope. Uh, the injury, and now since she's been back, it's it's just rough to watch her. So, um, you know, I'm going with PCB, but I, I gotta say, and again, I want to get your take, Riker, because like Tamina has has it's really taken me back as far as how bad she has gotten in the ring. You took the words right out of my mouth, Ken. She's regressed. I mean, when she first came on the scene, you're right. She had that superfly splash. She looked good in the ring. She had a, a unique look to her. But ever since that injury, man, she has not looked the same. And I don't know if, if she's, you know, still smarting from it. I, I don't know if, if if she's just not that good in the ring anymore. I, I don't know what it is. But it, it's it's disappointing to see her, like you said, the daughter of Superfly Snuka, be, I don't want to say bad because that, that's a terrible word, but she's, like you said, regressed in the ring. I mean, she had a, a decent program, you know, when she was going after the, the uh, knockouts, the uh, knockouts, the uh, the the, 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 the <laughs> title. Um, where she looked like she was going to be, you know, in that main event scene as far as the Divas was concerned. But ever since that injury, she has not been the same. And right now, to me, out of those nine girls, she might be the worst one of the other bunch. Yeah, I mean, when I think, and I want to get your take, Dave, too, I, I just think that when you look at the Divas revolution and you, you look at the, the people that have been on the main roster for a while, um, and again, I think Alicia Fox, Naomi, those are people that could stay around for this Diva Revolution, could have some athletic matches, could could potentially have great matches with this new crop of Divas. But when that starts to happen, when you start to move in that direction of, you know, no, we're, we're not eye candy anymore. We're not just eye candy. And you know what? We're not the effing bathroom break. You want to stay. When the women are going to come in there and take that attitude of, no, you sit your ass down you want to see this ladies match um there are certain people that are going to wind up getting phased out if that winds up being the vibe of ladies wrestling and i'm going to say ladies wrestling screw like the divas term ladies wrestling if that's what ladies wrestling is going to be in the wwe um you know it's going to wind up being a situation where you gotta keep up or get out and and i i think there's going to be certain divas that are going to wind up having to be phased out and, and again i don't want anyone to lose their job but to me i look at tamina and the bellas is like they, they don't fit in you know i'd love to see natalia get back in the ring and, and actually like start wrestling some more i think she's someone that could you know potentially get back in the ring and, and kind of have some athletic matches with this this new phase of ladies wrestling this new athletic style of ladies wrestling but uh you know it might be put up or shut up time for some of these ladies your thoughts dave uh, you know, Tamina is not the first second-generation uh, wrestler to uh, not progress faster than most second-generation wrestlers. I mean, um, let's take a look at, you know, Curtis Axel, Michael McGillicuddy, Joe Henning, whatever you want to call him. 
We all thought he was going to be the second coming of Mr. Perfect because of his father, his late father. And look how, look how he's turned out. So um, not saying that I'm surprised that this happened with her, but um, I mean, when she first burst onto the scene, yeah, the, the, the Snooka name kind of, you know, pigeon held her, but in a negative way. I mean, one mistake, and then all of a sudden it was like, or an injury or whatever the case was, and then boom, it was like you just thought negatively of her. And then watching her now, I can understand why they don't put her in, in, in as many matches, or if they do, it's a tag match, because I don't remember seeing her in a singles match um, since she's been back on TV. Um, but she just looks like she's uncomfortable. Maybe it's due to the injury. She looks like she's awkward, or she just doesn't feel she doesn't feel comfortable in her character's skin when she's out there performing. Um, and the in-ring work, I guess, is showing, too, especially when they put her in there with, with girls who can wrestle circles around at the days. So, um, I mean, hopefully it gets better. But at the same time, too, though, she's got a unique look about her that you put her in that bodyguard role, and that works. You know, if she's bodyguard to Naomi or maybe she'll maybe they move her on to somebody else, that would work. But anything past that where you got to, you know, try and reinvent the wheel with her, it, it, it doesn't work out. I agree with you. Like, I, I wouldn't put her in the ring. I wouldn't put her in any matches. I, I'd, I'd keep her as, as a bodyguard type if you're going to keep her on the roster at all. And, Dave, I, I, excellent point. I, I, you hit the nail on the head with the word uncomfortable. That's what she looks like to me. She looks like, you know, and I, I go to, to, you know, a bunch of indie shows. I go to – you know, IWF runs a school, so I see students, like, getting in there. I see guys getting in there for their first match. And you can tell that, like, that discomfort, that that unsureness, that, that uh, you know, you, you only get better with that with time. And and you see that. And and you're right. Like, that's what Tamina, Tamina looks unsure. She looks uncomfortable in her own skin. And, you know, is it that, you know, that injury and, like, just that, that something's in her head where, uh, you know, I don't want to get hurt again. And, and I'm being, like, overly cautious. But... I think that word you used, Dave, was was right on the money. She just doesn't look comfortable. And then when she's not comfortable, she's hesitant, uh, the moves aren't smooth, and it, it's just not working. And, uh, you know, I, I just I, – I agree with you. I think if you're going to pl- place her in that bodyguard role, just, just keep her there. Like, don't put her in a match. If every so often she's just going to jump in and do the body splash off the top rope, just that as, like, a bodyguard type, fine. But – uh, you know, she might be someone that, you know, maybe you got to steer clear from having her in any matches. Um, let's move. You know what? Actually, we're going to go out to the phones now because um, we have, uh, again, 1640. We have a, a bunch of shows. And one of our shows is the cool down uh, with AC. Uh, check him out. He does a lot of MMA as well as pro wrestling. And he was out live at Field of Honor. Uh, so I want to get his take on uh, his report if you will, on uh, how ROH's show was last night. AC, from the cool down, are you there? I'm here. What's going on, guys? How are we doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, brother? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Just listening to uh, your guys' takes on uh, SummerSlam here. Pretty cool stuff. Cool, and you know, we, now we want to get your take. I mean, you were out there. Uh, you were at Field of Honor. Uh, you know, it's amazing. You know, we were talking before about, uh, you know, how, you know, the WWE – they um, have an event. They have one of their big events, and then the world of professional wrestling will converge on that city. Uh, so you have ROH does their their big uh, stadium show, quote unquote. Um, how was it, man? It was, you know, it was really good. Um, 
the work was outstanding. Uh, if you like just wrestling and, uh, you know, ROH is not a lot of storyline stuff. It's mostly wrestling for those who watch it. Um, there was a ton of New Japan talent there. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Kazukata and those guys were there, which was really cool. I got to, uh, I did a meet and greet with Nakamura and Okada. I mean, they didn't really say much. It was just more like, uh, thank you. And, uh, there's nobody. We took, we, we, took a, we took a picture with Nakamura and there was nobody to take it. So he's like looking at me and I was like, selfie? He's like, oh yeah, selfie. And then we took it. It was just, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, he was really engaging. Uh, just, you could tell there was a language barrier there, but he was definitely engaging with the fans. And uh, Nakamura and Okada, I was surprised because they were actually, you know, when you see guys on TV, you never know, you know. But they were pretty tall and pretty big, you know, pretty well-sized guys. I mean, Nakamura looked, uh, made Lethal look short. So, um, but, you know, just getting into the show, um, you know, like I said, the show was really good. I would say there was probably... Uh, I heard a report that was four thousand there. I'm not so sure I'd buy that. I would say, I, I would say a, around three thousand. Uh, I was at Wrestling Under Stars earlier this month, and they had close to four thousand, and it just felt like there was more people at that show. But um, my one, I'll give you my my knock on it before I get into all the good stuff because it was mostly good stuff. My one knock on it would be this: um, I sometimes it's cool to have the outside wrestling feel, but even if they did fill, fill the stadium, it would have probably been awkward for a lot of people to see because where they set up the ring for these shows is basically on home plate. So if you're out, you know, I'm down the first or third base line, I'm not so sure what kind of view you get. I would almost want these kind of shows to be inside in a more intimate venue. Um, it felt like the crowd was trying to be really loud, but with the open air and with people being spread out a little bit, it didn't really feel very loud. Plus, everybody's facing one direction. So you're, everybody's almost yelling, you know, out onto the field, and you had nobody, like, yelling back towards you, so to speak. So it kind of – you didn't get really, like, that huge reaction feel from the crowd, but when it pops for certain guys, you could definitely tell. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple of guys that got the biggest pops, I mean, obviously Nakamura and Okada, a lot of people there for them. Uh, the Young Box uh, – excuse me, Young Box – the Young Bucks, they got a huge pop. Uh, Dalton Castle, who's huge, an up-and-comer. Uh, Dave Somm, uh, you know, when we were at the Bethany show, Dave Somm wrestled live. And he's, the ROH fans are just falling in love with him. He got a huge pop. Money. And, yeah, big time. He put, on, he put on an absolute show, not just only with his entrance, um, his, just his movements in the ring and the way he wrestles. And he has his, you know, his two boys that, you know, basically undress them, and they carry fans. So every time he gets hit with, like, a move, the crowd starts cheering fan up, and they'll start waving the fans. And it's like the harder the move, the, the harder they fan. And it's the more hurt he is, the harder they fan. So that was pretty cool. He was involved in a gauntlet match. He actually eliminated uh, Adam Page and Frankie Kazarian uh, before he was eliminated by Silas Young. Um uh, Jack was in that match. Moose, who got a huge pop, was in that match. Um, let's see who else. I have a couple notes here. So uh, I forgot who won it. It was the Japanese guys. Hold on for one sec. Sorry. But, uh, oh, when I, Watanabe won it. Uh, the guy from New Japan. I had never seen him before. Uh, he, 
he put on a pretty good show. Uh, Cedric Alexander was in it as well. And they had a kind of a funny spot in the match where uh, Luke Williams, uh, Luke uh, Bushwhacker Luke was there. So he was a surprise entrant, and he kind of came in. And then Silas Young threw him out of the ring, and he kind of proceeded to do the Bushwhacker walk around the bases until he was counted out. So the crowd kind of got a kick out of that, so they gave you a little bit of comedy with that one. But um, uh, the, the three best matches, I'd say, were, and one of them was a little tough. It was an eight-man tag. Uh, there was a ton of talent in there, but I'm just, I, they didn't get a lot of time, and it was just, it almost seemed like there was too many guys in the match. It was uh, the Young Bucks, Matt Seidel, who used to be Evan Bourne, and ACH versus the Kingdom, Taven and Bennett. Uh, Maria was ringside. And then uh, Rapungi Vice, who is uh, Trent Beretta and Robbie Romero. That match, like I said, there was a lot of really cool spots in that match. It just seemed like there was just almost too many guys. There was almost too much stuff going on for you to really follow everything. Um, the main event was outstanding. It was uh, Lethal and Nakamura team against the uh, IWGP Junior Tag Champions, Red Dragon. Uh, there was a bunch of cool spots in that match. All those guys could really work. Uh, I thought the match kind of told a pretty good story with Nakamura and Lethal not really being on the same page. Um, so that was really cool. But the match of the night by far, and to me, absolutely stole the show, was um, Kaz Okada and Roddy Strong. Uh, you know, they probably had a 20, 25-minute match. I mean, just so many good spots. Another match that I thought, you know, sometimes, you know, people get on ROH for just being too many spots and not a lot of storytelling. I thought that match kind of did give you some storytelling. And that was my favorite match of the weekend until I turned on NXT today. So, but that's, a, you know, a quick break around. I'll take, you know, whatever you guys, whatever else you want to know, I can, you know, throw it at me. I mean, you've been to a lot of ROH shows, so we're, I'm curious, like, where this ranks for you as far as, you know, is it one of the well, better ones? Well, this is actually the first work? live one I've been to. Oh, I've, the first I've live watched, you Yes, I've watched a ton of them, but I've never been to a live ROH show. I've seen uh, a, a ton of the ROH talent on indie, at, on indie shows, and I've, I've been to indie shows like uh, XWA. They kind of have, like, an XWA versus ROH angle going on for the last year. So they bring in a lot of ROH talent, but this was the first actual ROH show that I've been to. Oh, all right. Well, then I will rephrase the question. Um, since you are a huge ROH fan, did this live up to all the hype? I know this must have been uh, exciting for you to go to your first ROH show. Did it live up to everything you thought it would be? I would say, yeah, it lived up to the hype. Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, what I would say it was as good as like a pay-per-view I would say a pay-per-view would have probably been better, but I definitely uh, left happy. It, it, nothing really let me down at all, so I would say yes. Yeah, I have a question for you. You know, Roderick Strong has been the MVP so far, I think, of ROH. Um, match after match has been tremendous five-star. Did we get a five-star quality match last night against Okada? Yeah, it was four and a half, five star. It was really good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Like I said, it was definitely definitely the match of the night. And he, I'll be honest with you, Okada took a, a lot of bumps in that match. I was actually surprised. And even the crowd was kind of 50-50. It was like people wanted to root for Okada because, you know, how many times do you see Okada in the U.S.? I know it's a little more now. But, 
you know, it's almost like uh, it's still Roddy Strong. So, and, you know, he was coming off really that great marathon with Lethal. Um, I would say I would still take the marathon match with Lethal, with Lethal over this match, but it was close. Very cool. You know, I want to, I, I, and thank you again for giving us a, a live, uh, at least a, a live uh, take on what happened uh, at ROH. Um, you did reference, and we did talk about the NXT uh, uh, event last night. Uh, we talked about specifically the ladies' match. Um, I wanted to give us your thoughts on, uh, you know, you referenced it, your thoughts on NXT last night. I, I thought it, w- I thought it was really good. I mean, it, it was basically what you would expect from NXT. It kind of goes along the lines of what they've been doing, you know, as far as far as like match quality and things of that nature. Um, I personally think Bailey and Sasha stole the weekend. I don't think I'll see a match tonight that I like more than that one. Um, you know, Balor and Owens was good. I, but again, that was kind of what, what I expected. I, I like, I like the first one at beats and East a little bit better. I think, uh, I thought it was really good. You know, Apollo Crews, uh, I thought he I saw he had a nice debut. Uh, you had a Joel and Baron Corbin, which was a cool match. Um, I actually like Blake and Murphy, so I was kind of upset that they lost the titles. But maybe, you know, you guys were talking earlier about beefing up that tag division on the main roster. I mean, that's a tag team to me that could come in as a heel tag team and, and get some heat right away if they book them properly. I think Blake and Murphy are talented. But there was the one match that annoyed me, and I understand it's Juice and Lager and all this hype with him coming in and all that stuff, but it annoyed me to no end that they jobbed out uh, Tyler Breeze in. And it just seems like Tyler Breeze gets, he never gets a push in a big spot ever. Uh, he's, he's had a bunch of really good matches. He's, he's basically wrestled the who's who. But when it comes to takeovers, he always seems to get knocked down a peg. And I honestly thought, like, they had an opportunity because he was he was a legit heel in that match. If Even if he won by cheating or some some way, interference, hit him with the selfie stick, something, I just thought they missed an opportunity there where you could have had Breeze go over on Liger as a heel and have Breeze be that really, like, hardcore, legit heel that NXT would need. Yeah, I, you know what? I totally agree with you in the sense that I thought that the match with Liger and uh, and Breeze was very underwhelming. It, it was it was mm-hmm. overhyped. People were people were expecting that match to be like a show stealing five star match, myself included. And I just felt like it was kind of like maybe their styles didn't really mix real well. Or there just wasn't enough chemistry between the two. Um, but I understand the booking decision as to why they put Liger over. I mean, this was a one time deal. But I'm going to disagree with you here. I don't think Blake and Murphy are necessarily ready to make it to the main roster. They're not bad, but the next team that comes up from NXT that needs to go to the main roster that should have been there yesterday was Enzo Amore and, and uh, Colin Cassidy. Those guys yeah. are over like, like two million bucks. I mean, they're the modern-day version of the New Age Outlaws. They, you, you, you can't get more over than them right now. And they were in Brooklyn, and they didn't have them on the live, the live show, but they had them on the taping afterwards. I was right. kind of scratched my head at that one. They didn't have Becky and Charlotte on either, either which surprised me, because they had a they had a fatal four way, and I thought I thought for sure that would be on the pay per view, and it wasn't. So well, I mean, maybe it was timing. Uh, thank, thanks for giving us your take on NXT and uh, your live take on the ROH. Uh, before we let you go, and we're going to talk about this at length a little bit later on, but. 
Before I let you go, got to get your your pick. Taker versus Lesnar. What do you think happens tonight? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to. I can't. I I, I got to tell you. I'm just gonna tell it's it's out there because my do it on my show. I can't stand the match, but I'll give you the pick because I already gave it on trivia show earlier. So I'm gonna stick with my pick. I'm gonna pick Taker, but he's gonna win with some interference from Kane. That's what I'm going with. I don't know if it'll happen, but that's what I'll go with. And there you go, Anthony. Thank you so much. You guys, be sure again. 1640 PWPR. It's a place to listen to all the best wrestling podcasts. Check it out on iTunes. Anthony, check him out. Ace, the cool down with AC. Again, that's a cool down with AC. Thanks for spending a few minutes with Anthony, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Enjoy SummerSlam. I'll talk to you. Take it easy, brother. Thanks, brother. They have a good stuff from AC. And we're going to move right into because each and every pay per view show, we got our pay per view throwback where my man Dave gives us a little history lesson on. Uh, the pay-per-view of the night. So without further ado, let's get to it, Dave. Dave, with his SummerSlam throwback segment. Good evening, class. I am your resident pro wrestling historian extraordinaire, Dave Rosenblum. Welcome to another fun-filled lesson plan here on the Ken Reedy Show. Today is a very special class for me. Tonight I plan on dissecting the biggest party of the summer, SummerSlam. But I plan on taking a much different approach that will, will hopefully come full circle with tonight's big event. As we all know, WWE SummerSlam is projected to us, the television viewer, as the second biggest show of the year behind WrestleMania. Some have dubbed it the WrestleMania of the summer. It's the third longest running pay-per-view on the WWE calendar behind Survivor Series and WrestleMania, one of the original Big Four pay-per-views in WWE. You could say that over the years, the events coming out of SummerSlam show a strong indication as to who the major players will be come WrestleMania. SummerSlam has also been known for its out-of-this-world match stipulations, making for some memorable moments, both good and bad. So to say this event has some prestige behind it is clearly an understatement. And with an event such as SummerSlam garnering great importance in WWE history, and it's only appropriate an event of this magnitude takes place in cities that can live up to the hype that WWE brings. In the 27-year history of this event, SummerSlam has emanated from all over this great country. It's even traveled across the pond to jolly old England in 1992, where we witnessed the classic between the hitman Bret Hart and his brother-in-law, the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith, for the Intercontinental title. But if we wanted to designate a home for SummerSlam, then look no further than the tri-state metro area of New York and New Jersey. Even though SummerSlam has emanated from the City of Angels, Los Angeles, California, the past six years, the tri-state metro area has hosted the annual Summer Classic on seven different occasions. SummerSlam 1988, 1991, 1988, 1998, excuse me, and 2002 all emanated from the Empire State of New York with three of those events taking place from the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. 2002 saw SummerSlam take a hop, skip, and a jump to the island, the now-defunct Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, New York. Now, as unforgettable as the state of New Jersey may feel at times, don't worry, I didn't forget about you. I'm Dave Rosenbluth. I'm not Governor Chris Christie. You see, the Garden State of New Jersey has hosted the annual Summer Classics three times. 
1989, 1997, and 2007. Now, you might be wondering how this all leads back to the history of the WWE SummerSlam pay-per-view. Well, tonight's event comes back to the tri-state metro area, New York City, Brooklyn to be exact, for the very first time. And normally, when WWE holds any kind of event in the New York, New Jersey area, it's certainly one for the record books. Don't believe me? Let me count the ways. And count all the way back to the very first SummerSlam in 1988. Madison Square Garden was the place where history was made as the late Ultimate Warrior shocked the world in record time by dethroning record-holding Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man. Honky's record Intercontinental title reign still holds to this day, but his loss to the Warrior lives the test of time, as seen in numerous SummerSlam highlight reels brought to you in part by WWE Network. Log on to WWE.com to begin your first free month of subscription for the very low price of $9.99. Okay, enough of the shameless plugs. You're welcome, Stanford. But the match to put the asses in the seats on that night was the main event. Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man Randy Savage, also known as the Mega Powers, obtained victory over the Mega Bucks tandem of Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant. And making sure this historic match didn't get out of control, your special referee, Jesse the Body Ventura. What followed from this match was the early stages of an explosion among the Mega Powers, leading to an epic showdown the following year between the two at WrestleMania V. Speaking of the following year, 1989, East Rutherford, New Jersey, the old Meadowlands Arena witnessed the continuation of the explosion between the former Mega Powers as Hogan and Savage waged war against one another. But this time they both brought some backup. Savage was backed up by the mighty Zeus, and Hogan enlisted in the help of WWE's resident barber, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Also on this night, a forgotten classic tag team encounter and one of my personal favorite tag team matches took place as the Hart Foundation battled Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, the Brain Busters. And the Ultimate Warrior repeated SummerSlam history by defeating the late Ravishing Recruit for the Intercontinental Championship with a little help from the late great Hot Rod Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Two years later, the landscape of WWE changed in 1991 as SummerSlam returned to the Garden. Championships, pride, financial status, incarceration, and the sanctity of marriage were all on the line on this hot summer night. The Hall of Fame tag team known as the Legion of Doom added more gold to their resume by becoming WWE Tag Team Champions, defeating the Nasty Boys. Gold continued changing hands that night as Bret the Hitman Hart arrived in the WWE as a single star, defeating the late great Mr. Perfect in an all-time classic for the Intercontinental Championship that is talked about by all wrestling fans to this very day. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, lost his fortune, his pride and joy, his Million Dollar Championship to his former bodyguard, Virgil. Now, I mentioned earlier that incarceration was at stake at SummerSlam 91. For the first time ever, and the only time as of this lesson plan, the Big Boss Man defeated the Mountie in a jailhouse match, which meant that the loser had to spend the night in jail. The Mountie always gets his man, as he used to say. On this evening, the Mountie certainly got his man more than he could handle. And they certainly weren't dancing to Jailhouse Rock, if you catch my drift. And to round out this over-the-top memorable stipulation-filled SummerSlam, Macho Man Randy Savage and the lovely Miss Elizabeth exchanged wedding vows in front of 20,000 
of New York City's faithful and millions around the world on pay-per-view, making their wedding the most normal pro wrestling wedding in the history of pro wrestling weddings. That is until the two exchanged gifts at the reception. Now, after 1991, bounced around the United States and even over to the United Kingdom, like I made mention of earlier. But in 1997, the Garden State welcomed SummerSlam back with open arms. And no different than 1991, the stipulations got even crazier. You had your standard steel cage match as Mankind defeated a young Triple H. Yet Brian Pillman forced to wear a dress as a result to losing to Goldust. Ken Shamrock would have had to eat a can of dog food had he not captured the European title from the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith, to which he didn't obtain gold, I might add, but still remained puppy chow free due to some post-match shenanigans. Stone Cold Steve Austin would have had to kiss the backside of the late Owen Hart had he not been victorious in his quest for intercontinental gold. And if Bret the Hitman Hart did not win the WWE Championship from The Undertaker, then he would not be allowed to wrestle in the United States. Did I forget to mention, the Hitman's hated rival, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, was the special guest referee. And if he, too, didn't call the match right down the middle, he would also not be allowed to wrestle in the United States. Crazy, right? Well, it's WWE and it's professional wrestling. Anything is possible. The only stipulation that did come true from that evening was Brian Pillman embracing his feminine side by wearing a dress following his loss to Goldust. 1998, the highway to hell made a stop with a little bit of attitude as SummerSlam 1998 returned to Madison Square Garden. And just like the last time SummerSlam emanated from MSG, stipulations were no stranger to the Summer Classic. Let's start off with a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. As the two thoroughbreds of the Attitude Era, Triple H and The Rock, delivered a classic ladder match, the likes of which showcased what the future of WWE at that time was all about. In the days before UFC burst onto the mainstream, Ken Shamrock, former mixed martial artist, brought his ultimate fighting style to WWE in a Lion's Den match with Owen Hart. What's a Lion's Den match, you ask? It's an enclosed structure, similar to an octagon but smaller, designed to keep the action inside but still maintaining a reputation of the action and participants getting out of control. And finally, hair was up for grabs. Long, flowing locks was at stake as X-Pac defeated Jeff Jarrett and gave good old Double J a custom haircut inside the hollowed halls of Madison Square Garden that the, fo- that the folks at Cost Cutters would be very proud of. 2002 saw SummerSlam make its debut at the Nassau Coliseum from Long Island, New York, but the debuts didn't end there. Rey Mysterio made his WWE pay-per-view, pay-per-view debut in a classic encounter with Kurt Angle coming out on the losing end. A religiously reborn Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels returned, or debuted, prefer, to show the world that he still had it against his best friend Triple H in a non-sanctioned war that is revered as a classic among the WWE fan base. Continuing on the topic of debuts, the beast Brock Lesnar made his SummerSlam debut in dominant fashion, defeating The Rock for the undisputed WWE Championship, sending The Rock back to Hollywood and letting the world know that the next big thing was a pretty big deal. And rounding out some of our tri-state SummerSlam memories, we come to the year 2007, a year where WWE was in a transition period in terms of changing the content of their product. In the early days of an era of Let's Go Cena, Cena sucks, John Cena and Randy Orton put on a forgotten classic in front of a rowdy East Rutherford, New Jersey crowd that was very anti-Cena, by the way, 
for the WWE Championship in what would be the final time SummerSlam emanated from not only New Jersey, but the tri-state metro area. That is, until tonight, as a new chapter begins in Brooklyn. Evident from what we saw at last night's NXT TakeOver event, what we expect to see tonight at SummerSlam, and what we expect to see tomorrow night on Raw, Brooklyn, New York, and the Barclays Center could be the new tri-state metro area home for many more WWE moments. The match too big for WrestleMania, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. With a tagline like that, one would expect this match to exceed expectations. One thing is for sure, the aftermath of this match, like many SummerSlam matches from previous years, will be a strong indication of what we may see April 6, 2016 at WrestleMania 32. I mentioned classic championship matches. Tonight's winner-take-all championship match between Seth Rollins and John Cena is sure to be a controversial affair based on crowd reaction alone. John Cena is not a favorite in the New York City area, and tonight should be no different. Seth Rollins is and always has been deemed an Internet darling, dating back to his Ring of Honor days as Tyler Black. So with those two factors put into play, the very vocal New York City audience couldn't help make this match a SummerSlam classic. Not taking away the skills that Cena and Rollins possess as performers, but as a fan, active crowd participation helps drive performers to make a match. And tonight shall be no different. And with SummerSlam extending to four hours, you can bet that there will be plenty of time for memorable matches and memorable moments to transpire at the biggest party of the summer. Class, I appreciate your time. Stay cool and enjoy tonight's SummerSlam. That is until after tuning into the remaining portion of the Ken Reedy Show the best in pro wrestling talk class you're now dismissed good stuff as always it's funny man like you start talking about that stuff and like you know you and i'm sitting here and, and you and and Riker actually are, are quite the historians and i i don't remember shit <laughs> and it's great like even like matches where i'm like oh yeah that was a good match i forgot that was at a SummerSlam, and I always enjoy listening to the throwback because I'm like, aside really from WrestleMania, it's like I, it's all like a big mess inside my head. But uh, you know, Mike, you're you're a pretty big historian. You kind of remember this stuff uh, pretty much as well. Yeah, I mean, I, for some reason, I'm like a feel like Dave. I remember almost every match, every the time of the match, uh, everything. The one question I have for Dave though is, in your opinion, best SummerSlam match, SummerSlam match ever? Is it is it Hart Davy Boy? Uh, or is it uh, Sean uh, HB, uh, HBK Triple H in 2002? Oh, man, that's a real tough one. That, that, uh, um, I'm going to go with Sean and Triple H only because I, w I didn't expect to see Sean Michaels come back like that. I thought I didn't. I, I honestly, the way that they had described his back injuries and how hurt he was and being away for four years. I thought we'd see like a, a, a nice little street fight, you know, using some gimmicks and weapons to, you know, hide some of the, the, the lack of skill that he lost, you know, over four years. I thought, okay, I could settle for that. But to see the Shawn Michaels of old and just be like wowed and surprised and something I didn't expect to see at that moment made for the match all that much better. As great as Davey Boy and Brett was, um, I'm going to have to go with Shawn and Hunter. And, yes, I know yeah, I'm biased because I'm a Shawn Michaels fan. No, and I'm I'm not that big of a Sean fan. I mean, obviously he's one of the greatest in the ring, but I agree with you. I mean, not not only this, the the story on that match, Dave, and the fact that you know the first 10, 12 minutes of that match, Triple H is working on that back, and the pain in Sean's face was was just epic. I mean, 
And then, then like you, I, I agree with you when you said I thought it was just going to be a fight. But, you know, Sean, you know, digging out the ladder and, you know, of course, the history of the ladders uh, in 94, 95 with Shawn Michaels and the crowd going going crazy. Uh, and seeing him leap off that ladder and doing the I love you sign. And it was definitely a special moment in Nassau Coliseum that night. It's interesting. Like on on the Players' Tribune, uh, they asked Seth Rollins. Uh, he wrote an article on his top SummerSlam matches, and he had a uh, five was Brett and Bulldog, four was Michaels and Triple H, uh, three was Edge and Christian versus the Hardys versus the Dudleys, two was Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins. Of course. And the number one match, you gotta love this: Seth Rollins versus John Cena, 2015. <laughs> and it's also he like he closes the article by saying, to add the fact that we are on the same card as Taker versus Brock, because while there is not much common ground between John and me, there is one thing we absolutely agree on, and that our philosophy going into a big show is steal it. We're both going to bring our A plus games. And when we do, it will be the greatest SummerSlam match of all time. <laughs> yeah, you gotta love the guy, man. No, no shortage of confidence. But uh, you know, I've I've enjoyed what he's been bringing to the table, and uh, we shall see. But let's get back into our picks before we get into that match. Uh, oh, we got our work cut out for us. We got a bunch of matches to give our picks to, so let's get get going. Um, you know, we got we got some Hollywood uh, entering the mix. Uh, a little comic book feel. Um, I'm digging the stardust. I'm digging the fact that, uh, look, at some point we'll see Cody again, but I, I kind of like the fact that he's stuck with stardust post his pops passing away. A lot of people thought they'd see, um, you know, him come out of character and be Cody Rhodes. But when you look at old school and believing in kayfabe and all that other stuff, the biggest tribute he'd give to his dad at this, at this time is to, to stay in character. I'm liking what he's doing. I'm liking the edge to stardust. I'm not so sure how I like the pairing with King Barrett. Uh, King Barrett, a guy that I, I dig, but it seems like they, they continue to try and find a spot for him. Uh, Stephen Amell, actor, but he's athletic. Uh, if you've seen Arrow, you've seen this guy, and he posts workouts online, uh, you know, on YouTube and stuff. The guy's an athlete, and he's a fan. So you figure we're going to get some decent work out of him. Uh, hopefully, you know, the, the rest of the guys in the ring, again, that whole accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. You'll probably have, at least at some point in the match, I'm assuming Steve Amell will have a spot. You'll have a, a move that will be like, oh, my God, a Hollywood guy pulled that off. Um, I, I expect them to be victorious. Uh, I think uh, Green Arrow and Neville will wind up winning this match. Uh, it, it's going to be one of those things. There might be a lot of comic relief in this. It should be uh, something fun. Uh, not a lot, you know, not a lot of gravity to this, but I still think it's going to be a, a fun, entertaining matchup. And I think it's a fun, entertaining card. Uh, but I see Green Arrow uh, coming out victorious. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, Neville and, and Green Arrow is going to win this match. It's funny, you know, coming into this match, you know, at first, I didn't like any part of it. I was one of those guys, Ken, that I, I wanted, you know, Cody to be Cody after Dusty passed. Now I'm into Stardust character. I didn't like what they did with Neville, with the, you know, with the, him showing him like a, like a superhero, and yeah, I'm I'm kind of into it now. And then I didn't like when I heard that you know the Green Arrow is going to be part of this this you know this match or possibly be involved in the Stardust. I said that's going to be terrible. Well, now I'm kind of into it. So it's funny how they they, they kind of turned me into this 
this match where I'm kind of excited to see. I'm kind of excited to see what the Green Arrow can do. I've always loved Neville in the ring. Obviously, he's going to put out something special tonight. Uh, I'm kind of into this match, so I, I agree with you. I think the Red Arrow and the Green Arrow will prevail over, over <laughs> King Barrow or Cosmic King and Stardust. <laughs> Damn. We are four for four, gentlemen, because I'm going to I, 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 Neville and Amel will walk out victorious. I think, like Ken said, he's athletic. So whatever he does in the ring, it will surprise you. He's a fan, too. And that's the best part. You don't just get a celebrity that goes in there that's just going to do this for a paycheck and then they suck at it. Because we've seen that before in the past with, 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 with several celebrities that get in the ring. But they, I, I, I'm optimistic that they, they pick the right one. And he's been just as involved as Cody and Barrett. Unfortunately, I think Barrett's going to be the one that's going to eat the pinfall here because he's kind of the odd man out. Um, he, he was just kind of thrown into this match. And I think he was thrown into this match so they could just put him on the card because the card was going to be loaded with guys anyways, and there was going to be guys that were less talented than him on the card. So they figured they had to put him on the card. Um, hope, hoping that after this match, you know, the three remaining pro wrestlers that will still be there with WWE will uh, come out of this um, – onto bigger and brighter things for their characters moving forward. I think the big thing that you look at with this match is the fact that, you know, uh, Stephen Amell is, is a wrestling fan. And I think that that is one of those things that bodes well. He's not a guy that's just, look, he's going to take the publicity. I mean, yeah, but he's not a guy that's just trying to get on a SummerSlam card uh, to, to publicize his TV show. Uh, this is a guy that he's a fan uh he's probably excited to to be a part of it i mean who wouldn't if you're a wrestling fan you get a match at SummerSlam, you're going to be pretty pumped and he's an athlete so you know as long as they they again accentuate the positive i, I think we're going to have like a surprisingly good showing uh from him because he's an athlete and uh it's an intriguing matchup but i'm right there with you mike you know it's it's uh, one of those things where you know maybe not uh terribly excited uh, but, but I think this is going to be a fun match. I think it's going to be, you know, one of those matches, uh, you know, it's going to get the crowd going. Uh, you know, you're going to have a, a few. I, I think you're going to have a number, say number, but a bunch of uh, really cool spots in this that uh, maybe a couple of holy shit chants uh, during the match. But I think it's going to be a, a really fun match. And let's let's move along. Uh, we got the, the reunion of the Wyatts, Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper taking on a reunion of sorts of the Shield with Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. Um, you know, this is a match, uh, a lot of the speculation, I don't know if you guys have heard it, but I, I'm hearing a nauseam that, uh, you know, this is the night Dean Ambrose turns on, on Roman Reigns. I'm, I'm, I'm steering clear of that. I don't think it happens. It might happen at some point. I, I personally don't think it'll happen tonight. Uh, you know, it's it just, I, I don't see it. I, I think it, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, Reigns, you know, this crowd is going to like seeing the shield kind of together again uh the way to make sure roman reigns gets a pop at the end is to make sure he's still with dean ambrose uh so and, and you know roman reigns you know as well as guys they got big plans for so uh to me then i'm kind of hinting at my pick so i think uh, you're gonna see reigns and ambrose win this match tonight um and and i think for for the reason of kind of continuing to give uh, roman reigns a push and a rub uh i i don't see at least tonight I don't see Ambrose turning on Reigns. Your thoughts, Dave? Um, I don't think so either, just based on the fact they're in New York City. And uh, 
you know, Ambrose is another internet darling that the, uh, the, the, the smart crowd gets into. So Reigns associated with him would help Reigns standing with the audience. Um, if, if Ambrose were to turn on Reigns, the whole place would pop like crazy. Um, I just don't think that the, that would be the time and place to do it. And there's no reason behind it with this story. This story is about these two guys considering themselves family and, and, and fighting against another twisted and sick family. Um, so I'm going to go with Ambrose and Reigns. I don't think the Wyatts need this victory. It wouldn't surprise me, though, if we saw maybe an Eric Rowan sighting where he was involved somehow in the finish or post-match the Wyatts beat down Ambrose and Reigns, which could set up a future six-man tag maybe next month for Night of Champions. There had been rumors of a Sting appearance. Um, I heard that that's not the case now, but you never know. WWE is always good at um, hiding some of their plans. Um, but the Wyatt family, you know, Harper and Wyatt, they, their characters aren't based on, you know, it's not, their characters' beliefs aren't predicated on wins and losses. It's more about doing physical and emotional damage to, to these two. So, um, like I said, I could see Ambrose and Reigns winning, and then maybe the whole Wyatt family would get a Wyatt reunion at SummerSlam, and they kind of take out Ambrose and, uh, and Reigns to uh, set something up for further down the line. Finally, our first disagreement. Wow. I think the Wyatt's are winning this match. Um, I agree with you with the fact that I don't think Dean Ambrose is turning tonight, but I think it's, it's they're going to plant the seeds for that tonight. Uh, and I think Ambrose takes a pin. You know, I kind of disagree with you, Dave. I think the Wyatt, I think Bray does need this. I mean, you're right in the fact that maybe wins and losses doesn't uh, matter to, to, to Bray Wyatt, but at some point I think it does, and I think this match it does. Uh, Roman Reigns, I think, is protected here. I don't think he gets the pin. Uh, but Bray, at some point, you know, all the talk about being the, the new face of fear uh, has to come to play here because at some point he's got he's to win these feuds, win these matches uh, to have that moniker. And I think tonight it starts with that. I think, uh, and I agree with you, I think we're going to see Eric Rowan sign tonight and maybe that leads to the win for the Whites. Interesting enough, though, you know, there have been rumors also of a rock sighting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're talking family, uh, do we have some sort of beatdown? And uh, Rock shows up to uh, help his his cousin uh, in tonight's matchup. Uh, it would make sense, uh, you know. And I'd rather, I, I, personally, I'd rather see Rock involved here uh, than perhaps in the Brock Lesnar uh, Taker match. This was, I would rather that. Um, but it would slot in, you know, would fit, you know, if the Wyatts reunite and they're in the, you know, they're beating, they're in the process of beating down Ambrose and uh, Reigns, and Rock's music hits. Uh, it, it would be awesome. It would be, uh, you know, the, the the roof would blow off that place. So remains to be seen, but our first disagreement, Mike with uh, the Wyatts, Dave and I with Reigns and Ambrose. And moving on, uh, interesting matchup, interesting uh, for, for storytelling-wise. Uh, let's get into the Owens-Cesaro thing. Um, you know, it, intriguing here because, you know, it's weird when you when you look at, you know, to me, the internet and, and quote-unquote internet fan. And I know it's become a term because – Look, I'm broadcasting over the internet now. Uh, I do look at websites. So, I mean, I get it. Like, we're all kind of internet fans. But there's the – I guess there's fans that use the internet, and they're internet fans. But, you know, there there are certain guys that are just like the internet darlings, and they're guys like – and it's always like, God, why aren't they pushing him, you know? Why aren't they pushing Ambrose? Uh, Why aren't they pushing Owens? They need to push Cesaro. You know, and it's like there's only so many spots. And this is an interesting matchup because you got two guys that people have been clamoring to get pushed. That they, they, you know, fans want both these guys in the main event picture. 
Uh, Cesaro, you know, after uh, winning, um, you know, having that spot in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, you know, like you, you thought that he was the guy, and then it just, you know, kind of backtracked a bit. But a guy that can do no wrong in the ring. Uh, Owens, your, your prototypical heel. Uh, you love the stuff that he brings to the table. Two guys that, that could be on, on the cusp of breaking through, but what does a loss do for either one of these guys? And, and as much as like a non-title mid-card match can be important, I think this is a very important match for both these guys. Uh, not only who wins, but how they win uh, is, is very intriguing when you look at this matchup. And a difficult match to call, but to be honest, and we on this show we have talked a lot. He's been a darling of ours, and and I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with my heart and my head on this. I think Cesaro is gonna win uh, this matchup, and I think it's it's intriguing to see where they go with Owens post match, where they go with that character, and you know how exactly Cesaro wins. Whether something screwy happens somewhere, or if it's a clean finish. Uh, but to me, I got, I just got that feeling that Cesaro, there's there's a there's a groundswell for him. I'm not going to say he's uh, Daniel Bryan, but it's kind of got that that feel of the fans just like getting behind him more and more. And you know, Brooklyn's going to be interesting because these two guys are two guys that could be darlings for this crowd. And I, I want I think they're, they're both going to bring it. I think we're going to see a really good match out of the two of them. Um, I'm more curious where they're going to go after this matchup, but I, I think Cesaro comes out victorious. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Cesaro is coming out victorious as well. Um, outside of two main events, I think this is the match I'm the most looking forward to. I think this could be a match of the year candidate if they give him enough time. Um, and let's face fact, you know, Owens last night was in a brutal ladder match. So there's an easy way out for that to have Cesaro get the win. You know, Cesaro, if he loses to a guy who just had a brutal lot of match the night before, I'm not sure what it says about Cesaro. And you're right about the kind of about the Cesaro kind of like getting juiced up here and kind of getting momentum. We're seeing a lot of the Cesaro sections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like it, there's a groundswell support for Cesaro here. Uh, listen, I, I, I agree with you. I don't know what they're going to do with Owens uh, if he loses this match. I don't know what they're going to do with Cesaro if he loses this match. But in my mind, I think there's a groundswell support for Cesaro. And I think we're going to see him possibly in a title match towards the end of the year after this win over Owens. Dave? Um, you know, I'm conflicted on this one because, like you said, Ken, um, you know, both guys really need the match. Um, you know, Kevin Owens came in pretty hot, you know, with this rivalry with Cena. First match on the main roster, he beat Cena clean. One, two, three, right in the middle. And he had two great showings the following, you know, two months on pay-per-view with John Cena. Um, and he's such a good heel that him going on somewhat of a losing streak could actually help him in a way. If he were to, if they were to, you know, take into account his two losses to Cena, this loss to, to Finn Balor last night at Takeover in the ladder match tonight with Cesaro. You know, he's such a bastard as a character that people, you know, love seeing him lose. That it would work for him. On the other hand, I think some people and smart fans, too, won't take him as seriously if he continues this losing streak. Um, and to me, I think I, I'm, I'm really torn on this one, but I'm going to go with my gut here, and I'm going to say that 
they have some sort of five-star classic match, and Owen sneaks out the victory by hook or by crook. Whether it's pulling the tights, feet on the rope, low blow behind the referee's back, somehow, some way, he finds a way to win this, and you see a, a series of rematches between him and Cesaro for the next month or so. Wow, it's getting juicy. The last two matches, we, the three of us don't agree. Look at that. Let's let's keep moving on. Um, you know, a, a storyline that, uh, you know, the, the pairing with Ziggler and Lana, not so sure about. Um, not totally buying into it. Um, I dig Rusev, and I dig the, the whole idea of, like, you know, you know, your, your, your chick dumb shit, like bringing a replacement. Uh, so I kind of like the Summer Rae thing. However, the Lana and Ziggler thing is, is a bit disjointed to me. Um, you know, I, I'm curious, Dave, and we've talked about it before on the show. Uh, what are your thoughts on this match, and uh, uh, where do you think it's going? Um, it, it's kind of difficult for me because, you know, Rusev was made out to be this killing machine for the past year. And then, just out of the blue, they decided, well, we're going to break him and Lana up. And then once they break him and Lana up, they turn him into this big, you know, you know, Bulgarian crybaby, you know, every week. And then they they give him the, the you know, Summer Rae to kind of counteract Lana with Dolph. Um, I, and, and Ziggler, he's always, I mean, I, to me, I think he still needs, you know, a, a bump up the card and a victory over Rusev would help. Um, he just got taken out from injury. They've been Rusev and and Lana, or I'm sorry, Rusev and Summer have been getting the best of Lana for the past few weeks on TV, whether it be verbal taunting. I think the girls would get involved somehow to make it somewhat of a um, uh, a mixed tag match, maybe tomorrow night on Raw or at the next pay per view. But I'm going to go with Ziggler on this one. I think Ziggler will pull out the victory. I think um, they've done enough damage to Rusev's character personally that. a loss here to Ziggler isn't really going to hurt him any more than, than all the other stuff they've done to him. So Ziggler, Ziggler with the win. Uh, I, again, I, I disagree. I, I think Rusev is winning this match. Um, I, I do agree with you in the fact that I think a mixed tag matches in the cards, whether it be tomorrow night on Raw or at Night of Champions. And I think this is where Ziggler gets to win, you know, with Lana at his side. Uh, I think you're going to see a crowd-pleasing moment with Lana kind of getting her hands on Summer Rae tonight. Uh, but I think I think somehow in some sort of fashion, listen, Ziggler is a, is a great, great talent. But unfortunately, he, he's he's stuck in a mid card status because because he's just he sells so well for that other opponent. I'm not sure if he has the offense at times to really become that main event guy. So I think he's going to be in that feud with Rusev for a little while. I think this is not only not only a one match deal. You can see two or three matches, you know, in some sort of fashion, like we talked about with the mixed tag. Uh, I think somehow, some way, Rusev wins tonight. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna agree with Dave. Um, I'm actually, and and on just about all points, uh, I I I I think you're right on point, Dave. With uh, you know uh, Ziggler and, and um, you know I I just you know for me like being gone for a while, I think it's gonna we're gonna bring him on board. He's gonna come in. He's gonna get his victory. Uh, he's just been he's been gone for a while. I, I agree with you in saying you know when you said that uh, Summer Rae. And Rusev has gotten the better of Lana a number of times on TV as of late. Uh, this is one of those, again, when I'm looking at who I'm picking, I am intrigued on where they go post this match. Uh, again, Rusev has kind of become the Bulgarian crowd baby, as you said, Dave. Um, but I just think, you know, Ziggler is, is one of those guys that uh, uh, 
you know, being gone for a while, I think it's it's he's going to get the victory tonight, and uh, we'll see where it goes uh, from here. I agree. I agree with you, Mike. I think we're going to get a feel good moment with Lana getting her hands on Summer Rae in, in some way, shape, or form. But I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. That leads to to Ziggler's victory. So uh, different there. Look at this. We're three matches in a row where uh, it's all three of us agreeing. It's good stuff. And let's move on to Randy Orton versus Sheamus. Now uh, this is a match that, like you know. Um, not haters on this show as far as Sheamus goes. Uh, not haters. Uh, he is who he is. I think this match is going to be a fun match. I think it's going to be a hard-hitting match. I think it's going to be a match that, like, you know, I mean, you can crap all over this match. So we've seen it before. But at the same time, these guys have been in the ring together before. So they know each other. Uh, they'll probably put on a good show. I, I, I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand and one. Randy Orton is something special. And wrestling fans need to recognize a guy that's 6'5", that can do what he can do in the ring. is, is I don't know if we'll ever see a guy that size to be able to – he's so athletic. Um, uh, he's just – he's tremendous. He's a tremendous talent. Uh, and personally, I think that um, we're going to see an RKO out of nowhere in some way, shape, or form in this matchup. Jeez, uh, am I going all faces? Like, I'm just like, looking at the guys I'm picking. But uh, my gut says that Orton's going to win. I think it's going to be one of those things where we're going to see the Money in the Bank guy uh, lose often until he winds up cashing in. Uh, so I think we're going to see Randy Orton victorious tonight. Um, I think it's going to be a fun, like, hard-hitting uh, match where you're just going to see a lot of stiff shots, a lot of, like, you know, not um, holy shit moments per se, but a lot of those moments where, like, you just go, ooh, that looked painful. Um, and, and you're going to see the welts uh, coming up on Sheamus's match or um, back early on in the match. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with Randy Orton in this matchup. See, this is the one match where I think the crowd might crap on it. I mean, I, I like Orton and Sheamus. I like them uh, as singles wrestlers, but for some reason for me, when they get in the ring together, to me, there's no chemistry. Uh, we, you know, I think they have okay matches. I don't think they have great matches. And we saw it, you know, after WrestleMania 29, Ken, you know, Orton and Sheamus, yeah. they were bothered by that. And if we could see the, the same thing happen tonight in Brooklyn. Um, I agree with you. I think Orton's going to win. I, I agree with you as far as the, the money in the bank. It happens every year with the briefcase winner where they go on this losing streak, little upon losing streak, where you don't think anything of them. The next thing you know, they're champion. So I think Orton does a, a special RKO tonight, and that leads to a win for Randy Orton. Dave? You know, I'm going to differ based on the fact that, you know, we've seen Orton the past few weeks kind of get the best of Sheamus, whether it be a, a, a an RKO or, you know, the victory from his team. Um, he, he tagged Cesaro, I believe, you know, just recently against uh, Sheamus and, uh, and and Owens, and he got the better of then. Um, I'm going to, just, just to be different, I'm going to pick Sheamus on this one. And I think that he's going to break the trend of money in the bank holders not going on a losing streak until the wins of the championship. He may actually kind of be on a winning streak, so to speak. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Sheamus on this one. Nice. All right. There we go. All right. Now, now let's, let's, I mean, again, if you talk about this card, you know, it, it, it's shaping up as we sit here and we dissect each match. It's shaping up to be a pretty entertaining card. Um, you know, again, like you said, like this is a match that, the crowd could crap all over Orton and Sheamus. Um, but I still don't think you're looking at necessarily a clunker in the group. It doesn't necessarily mean that they, the guys couldn't put on a clunker. I mean, things happen, but you're not looking at a, a, a match on the card where you're like, Oh God, that's going to be awful. 
but let's get into like the juicy. We got the, the two biggies. Uh, and uh, first off, I, you know, it's interesting. I want to get into Lesnar and Taker. Then we'll get in the title match. You know, Lesnar and Taker, it, it's interesting. The, the build has been cool. The pull apart was awesome. Uh, the Lesnar, I'm going to kill you, and Taker, you're going to have to, was just awesome. Um, you know, I, I just, this is one of those matches where I, I'm wondering if the storyline and the psychology and everything else is going to be better than what we see in the ring. Um, it's got that big fight feel. Uh, they've done a lot to build it up. Uh, for myself, you know, it's like, if the Seahawks beat New England in the upcoming football season and you want to say it's revenge for losing the Super Bowl, it's not. It just isn't. If Taker wins tonight, he still his streak was still beaten. Uh, he lost at WrestleMania to Lesnar. It doesn't rectify the ending of the streak. Uh, so, I mean, I, I get what they're doing and what they're trying to build. I just wonder, the match with Lesnar – and Taker at WrestleMania was not a good match. It just wasn't. No disrespect to the Undertaker. I know he's concussed. Love Taker. <coughs> Taker, I'm wearing his shirt. Skilled competitor, uh, the likes that we may never see again. Uh, you know, the, his psychology and storytelling, second to none. Love the guy. Uh, was it because he was concussed at WrestleMania? Perhaps. Uh, but it was not a good match. He's older. He's banged up. You need a guy to carry you in the ring or at least help out. I don't know if Lesnar's the guy to do that. Um, so, I unfortunately, when I look at this match, and I say there's no clunkers on the card, uh, this is one of those matches that I look at the storytelling being awesome going into it. It's a revenge thing. It, it works. But I don't. I wonder if, if they even can physically deliver. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we have a Kane sighting. I don't know if the crowd is going to buy into that if we have a crank a cane sighting. Uh, I think this this match in the uh, Northeast crowd, uh, you got a lot of potential, which should be interesting for Taker to get a pretty heel uh, response from the crowd, which is going to be intriguing to see that. Um, so I have my doubts of what this match, if they can deliver on this match. My pick, I think Taker's going to win tonight. Uh, it might be something screwy. We might see a Kane uh, sighting. It might not be a good match. I, I, I just think they're going to go with the revenge factor. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a straightforward, clean victory. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but it leaves them open for a third match in this quote-unquote trilogy uh, for them to have a deciding matchup in Texas at WrestleMania. Now, whether they do that or not, Taker has to win tonight to at least have that as an option for WrestleMania. So all those factors, I, I just to me, it's like, why'd you bring him back to lose again to, to Lesnar? I, and then, then to me, like, have Taker come out on Monday and retire. Uh, and, and those are all the factors for me that I'm, I'm going to go with the Undertaker winning this match. I, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because the guy's an absolute legend and I, I, Going into this matchup, I wonder what we're going to see out of The Undertaker. I don't like seeing guys uh, a shell of what they once were. It's it's sad to me. Like when I watch a guy that really just, it's time, and he's put on classic matches well beyond the years you should have the ability to put on classic matches. Again, all the respect in the world to The Undertaker. 
Uh, I hope they're able to deliver, but I do have my doubts on, on them delivering in a good matchup. Uh, that all being said, uh, I'm going to go with The Undertaker with the victory. I'm, su- I'm surprised that this match has not become a no disqualification match. I think that will help both guys. You know, maybe we see something tonight, maybe the pre-show or something uh, that, that, that's announced, uh, because I think that would protect both guys. Uh, you're right. That match at WrestleMania 30 that no one talks about because everybody talks about, you know, Brock Lesnar ending the streak. The fact of the matter was, it was not a good match. I think the crowd will, will help this match, though, Ken. And the fact that you're going to hear a lot of chants going back and forth between Brock and Taker. I think it's going to be a lot of pro, pro Brock in that in that crowd. Uh, I think the match will be better than expected. I expect to see a big time brawl. Um, I personally don't think Brock should lose this match, but getting to WWE's mind, Taker's winning this match, in, in my opinion. Whether it be a Kane siding, whether we see uh, you know The Rock or whoever, Undertaker's winning this match because it's definitely going to lead to Undertaker Brock at WrestleMania 32, possibly. I personally don't think Brock should lose this match, though. The guy's signed for two and a half more years. He's been the face of this company. The only reason ESPN is at SummerSlam is because of Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is all over ESPN doing skits, uh, you know, doing interviews with Jonathan Coachman, and then you're going to have him lose Undertaker when Taker's probably going to be gone for the next six months and Brock's going to be on your TV. I understand Brock's going to be away for a while, but he's still going to be probably wrestle a couple more times before WrestleMania. So I think it'll be a big, big, a huge mistake if Brock loses. That being said, I think he's losing. Yeah, it's it's like a no-win situation. It like in this guy, yeah. it's, it's just a weird kind of vibe in this matchup. And again, it's I, I, look positive side. It's got that big fight feel. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, it, it's like you look at both guys. It's like a loss is detrimental to both guys, and that's why all I'm saying is at least to have that option for WrestleMania, Taker has to win. Your thoughts, Dave? You know, I, I'll be honest with you. When this match was first announced, when they when they began the hype, when the rumors even began before Battleground, on the, when we talked the Battleground pregame show a month ago, uh, I was not in any way, shape, or form in favor of seeing Brock Lesnar and Undertaker go at it. Um, but it happened, and I thought, okay, well, they're going to come up with a pretty good explanation as to why this is going to happen. And Undertaker cut the promo on Raw the next night in somewhat of complaining fashion that he cost Brock the match because Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar bragged about ending the streak. Now, Undertaker's character that's been portrayed on television fought that streak like it was a badge of honor, like it was a child. Anybody who were to defeat him and end that streak should be damn proud that they did that. And I was just surprised that the Undertaker's character took offense to somebody bragging about ending that streak. And it's not like Paul Heyman, the Paul Heyman character or the Brock Lesnar character cheated to win that match at WrestleMania 30. He beat Undertaker decisively in the middle of that ring at WrestleMania 30. So I just thought the logic wasn't there. They made up for it with the pull-apart brawl. Like you said, the pull-apart brawl was fantastic. They've done a good job building it up with the vignettes. They've even made reference that Undertaker has never beaten Brock Lesnar ever in a singles match, which is true. They've had four matches on pay-per-view, and Brock Lesnar is undefeated. Because they bring that up, there's a possibility that Undertaker wins. There's also a possibility Undertaker wins based on his actions, his character's actions recently with the low blow and the cheap shot to Brock Lesnar. Tie in the fact that Brock Lesnar took out Kane 
and he hasn't been seen since, yes, it's very possible we see a Kane sighting to help Taker beat Brock Lesnar. I think that, though, would make The Undertaker's character look very cheap, in my opinion, if he were to get help from Kane to beat Brock Lesnar. That's just me personally. And I think that they still want to maintain the integrity of the Undertaker character being that, you know, um, that, that, that tough guy, tough as nails, you know, a respectable phenom that he is. I don't think that they, that, that, that they want to go that route. Um, I think the real money's in Brock Lesnar, like Riker said. ESPN's there because of Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar's going to wrestle more times following um, – tonight's match than Undertaker will. I know Undertaker's scheduled for a tour of Mexico, and there's a possibility he might be involved in the Survivor Series, but I, I can see them doing the rubber match if Undertaker wins, but at the same time, I can't. Like, a part of me thinks that, like, this is the swan song for Undertaker. He loses tonight, and tomorrow night he comes out on Raw, and they discuss the possibility of his future in WWE. He comes out and he cuts a promo questioning the future. And then that's where Sting comes into play because Sting wants that one match out of him that everybody's wanted to see right before he retires. And they set up the angle for the two of them at WrestleMania. So I'm going to go with Brock Lesnar on this one. Wow. I mean, it would be cool if, if we see Sting uh, tomorrow night. Uh, the thing is with Sting, if we, if we see Sting and we set that up, there's no way, no way, no way Sting beats Taker at WrestleMania. So we got to get Sting a victory. We got to get Sting. Sting's got to beat someone. He can't have just two matches in the WWE and go 0 for 2, and, and that's it for Sting. But remains to be seen, and that's something after the, this pay-per-view is over, and we'll discuss tomorrow night when we're back on the air from 6.30 to 8 o'clock to give you our reaction to SummerSlam as well as get you ready for Monday Night Raw. And with all that being said, let's get into it. And Dave, why don't you start us off with this? One match left with like 10 minutes left to dissect the bejesus out of this. John Cena... The United States champion, top guy in the 1640 PWPR power ranking, uh, arguably the best thing in not only WWE but wrestling on a consistent basis uh, over the course of much of this year. Uh, you know, champion versus champion, Seth Rollins versus John Cena, Seth Rollins, WWE world heavyweight champion. To me, guy in that classic heel mode a classic heel model a uh, guy that is smarmy cheating weasley champion and i love it i love it i hate all the the guys out there it's like oh you gotta book him strong oh he looks weak you gotta screw that man he's, he's a heel he's a freaking heel love what rollins has been bringing to the table i, I really do I, I i'm enjoying his work when he won the title i wasn't sure if he'd be the guy uh but i i'm enjoying him i think this is going to be i mean hell the top match in SummerSlam history. So uh, it's going to be the best match in SummerSlam history. I think these guys are going to deliver. Uh, John Cena, incredible as he gets older, putting on some of the best work of his career at, at this point in his life. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, should be a great matchup. Dave, your thoughts on this match? Both guys came out of WrestleMania this past year champions. Um, John Cena, ever since WrestleMania, has consistently been the best thing about WWE programming with his the importance of the United States Championship, these U.S. Open challenges, his in-ring work, the guys he's worked with since WrestleMania, um, both on Raw and on pay-per-views. It's been really good stuff. And I'll dare say this has been John Cena's best in-ring work 
since he's been on WWE programming over a decade. Okay, Rollins, I agree with you, Ken. He's a he's a good chicken shit heel, and there's no reason why you need to book him strong because he's a bad guy. Bad guys will do whatever it takes to make sure that they win. They will lie, cheat, and steal to make sure that they come out with a victory, and they've done a good job of, of, of that with Rollins. I truly believe that they want to keep that momentum going with Rollins. I don't think that they really feel that Cena's going to be the guy to tie Flair or even break the record. On the other hand, I mean, it, it, to me, both guys could use the win. It's a situation where both guys could use the win. Cena is, he's, I wouldn't say he's towards the end of his career, but he's in, he's, he's in the twilight of his career, and I could see this being one of the last times he gets a shot at the title. And Rollins, they, I think they want to keep that momentum going with him because he's been doing so well as a heel. And I wouldn't be surprised if Rollins went to WrestleMania next year with the title. And to do that, I think he has to beat John Cena tonight. That's not me saying that Rollins is winning. All right? We've talked about The Rock earlier. And The Rock would be a good... Uh, uh, the, the, the Rock would be a good character to insert into this particular match tonight talked about with the, you know him possibly get involved in the wife that would be cool if that, if that scenario happened but john cena's promo on monday he talked about how seth rollins needs this victory just as much as triple h does because this is triple h's boy and if he if he if he sinks against john cena then they then, then triple h's character looks like a failure because this is the guy that he handpicked to be the future and he just in the future just lost to the measuring stick, John Cena. The part of me thinks that Triple H is going to get involved in this match and have a hand in the finish. I'm not picking John Cena to win. I'm not picking Seth Rollins to win. I think tonight both guys are going to leave with their respective titles, and there's going to be some court, some kind of hodgepodge schmoz kind of finish that could involve Triple H and could involve The Rock too. The Rock last time we saw him. He was involved with Triple H in that angle with Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. There's been talk of continuing him and Triple H at next year's WrestleMania. This could be an opportunity as a launching point for that. And Cena could use the rub of being kind of aligned with The Rock if The Rock were to come out and save him because Cena's not a favorite in New York City. So my pick, both guys leave with their titles respectively, but there is really no winner. Wow, so you're picking like either a double disqualification or a double countout, some sort of so no actual no actual that's a gutsy call. That is a gutsy call there. What do you think, Mike? Well, I think there's no doubt in my mind that they don't want Cena to break this record. Um, you know, everything that unfortunately happened with Hulk Hogan, uh, they want Cena to be the post job WWE. They want him to be, you know, you mentioned, you know, before we got on the air, Dave, about the you know, the Make a Wish Foundation. Uh, you know, I think it's what was it, 500 uh, wishes he's making tonight. Um, he's the poster boy for WWE. I think he's going to take over for Hogan. I think he's going to uh, break Flair's record as well. And I think they tie the record tonight. I think for some reason, you see kind of a build here between Triple H and Rollins where they're kind of going back and forth a little bit. You think they, you know, Triple H doesn't trust him. And, you, you know, all right, now he's for him. And, you know, he wants to test him against Brock Lesnar. It's like, when when does are they when does that can be combustible? And I think that happens tonight. I think Triple H does get involved, but I think he makes a mistake and that causes Cena to, to get the victory and get number sixteen. Interesting. You know, I, it's funny with this this matchup because uh, I, I I lean towards what you're saying, Dave. I think both guys walk out of here uh, 
the champions. I think they both walk out with their respective belts. Um, and so there's going to be something screwy going on here. Um, you know, it's, it's weird. Like, I don't, it, it, it's, it's tough to call. I, I feel like it's going to be something where you're going to have uh, Cena somehow getting himself DQ'd or, or something like that, where, um, you know, Rollins somehow holds on to his belt, but neither belt changes hands because it was a DQ or a count out or something like that. I think we see a screwy finish. I agree. I think at some point John Cena is going to be the poster boy. Uh, I just don't think it's going to happen tonight, especially uh, in the Northeast in this sort of crowd. It's not going to be a, you know, it's not going to be that feel good moment in Brooklyn if John Cena winds up tying Ric Flair uh, tonight. Um, so I think it's going to be a screwy finish. But I, I love, I, I again, I can't say it enough, man. You know, I I, I like the, the new direction with the WWE. I like seeing real heels. I like seeing heels that you just don't like. I, I think, you know, certain fans like just learning the term book him strong is, is a bad thing. And for a guy like, like Rollins, you know, you don't book him strong. You book him like a jerk. I mean, he's, he's a slimy asshole, you know, it's what he's really, the 80s, yeah. Man. I mean, it's, it is what it is, man. And, and I just think that, you know, Rollins is, is, is doing great work in that character. Um, he is the future. And I think coming on to Monday Night Raw and, and being saying that he he beat John Cena, uh, that he's still holding on to his championship belt. Uh, I look for tomorrow night for Rollins to open up Raw with that title and, and saying, you know, he, he's taken on every challenge. Uh, it may lead to a rematch. We may see John Cena, United Champions, or, or at some point take that title. But I just don't think it's happening tonight. Uh, I think we'll see something screwy. I'm right there with you, Dave. Uh, but I, I'm picking Rollins to to be the one that uh, is victorious tonight. Now, maybe he gets both belts. I don't think so. I think we'll see a, D, a DQ or a, a count out. So the title can't change hands at that point. And uh, we're going to see Rollins uh, walking out victorious tonight. And there you have it. Finally, finally, a match where you get three different picks. Uh, on on the the victor Dave with the gutsy call of uh, really a nobody coming out victorious, um, but I do think you know again when you look at this matchup and I don't know what you guys think, but I, I, again I think we have the potential of a classic match. Uh, we talked about Owens and Cesaro potential like match of the year guys. I look at this as this potentially with what Cena's been bringing to the table, what Rollins said on online about being the the top SummerSlam match ever in history. Um, you know, Cena's being a company guy, I just feel like both guys are going to bring a potential classic. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Cena Rollins, we've seen match after match with John Cena, whether it be with Kevin Owens or Stardust or Bad News Barrett. Match after match, it's been a five-star classic. It's going to be the same way tonight. I think Cena prevails, but I cannot wait to see this match. You're right, Ken. I think this could be a match of the year candidate. What do you think, Dave? Match of the year candidate tonight from these two? Oh, yeah, I think it's very possible. Last time they wrestled on pay-per-view was at TLC in December, and they had a tables match, and that was a pretty damn fun match. Um, they're capable of better, and I think we're going to see that tonight. Well, awesome stuff. And, like, as we go through each and every match, uh, you know, it looks like we got a good show, and we are set. We're just about ready to get in there and watch some SummerSlam. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. The Cooldown, AC, thanks for giving us a call. And, uh, giving us your take on ROH. Mike, thanks for coming in the studio tonight. It was a blast. Thanks, guys, for having me.
to Good Time. Get set. We'll be back tomorrow night in our regular time slot. Finally, we're back on track, 6.30 to 8 o'clock, to get you set for Monday Night Raw. And we're also, obviously, uh, we're going to get you uh, give you our reactions to SummerSlam tonight. Uh, it promises to be a great event. Looking forward to it. House full of people looking forward to many living room pops. For Dave and Mike, I am Ken. Thank you all for tuning in. See you tomorrow night. Take care, everybody. Cool. Cool. Thank you.